Welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? In this episode, we'll let go of negative attitudes around food, learn what to replace those attitudes with, and you'll hear about my new favorite book. This is episode 78. Here we go. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in this week. It's great to be back with you. I hope you're enjoying life and feeling good and... Yeah, I'm just excited about today's topic. It is a little bit of a sensitive subject, but I'm praying that this episode will be healing and life-giving for you and honestly for me too. So today we're just going to dive in and talk about those negative bad attitudes we tend to have about food and how to make positive changes in this area of our lives that can be so, so imprisoning for so many women. Okay, so let's start with some facts. We are bombarded by perfect images that emphasize youth and beauty, right? Just all day throughout the day, we have access to see the most beautiful women that are younger than us, more fit than us, whatever, whatever it is that gets you in an, like an insecurity of yours. And these images mostly come to us from our cell phones, right? Cal Newport calls them the slot machine inside our pockets. (laughs) Um, Side note, his new book, Digital Minimalism, is a must read. I'll talk about it more later in the episode. It is revolutionizing the way I view my phone and social media. But anyways, we have this addictive thing in our pockets and we keep getting drawn to it because it's designed to, to suck us in and pull us in We ask ourselves all throughout the day, how did so-and-so like my photo? Did people react to my vacation pictures? Do I still look young? Oh, oh, I'm getting a wrinkle. Am I getting a gray hair? How do I measure up to so-and-so? Or do people think I'm pretty? Women are just under these crushing, impossible expectations. We compare our bodies incessantly to other women's bodies, and it just can be exhausting. And then when it comes to food, we can either like go to extremes or get exasperated and give up and eat out of emotion or frustration and eat too much or too much of the wrong thing. And then we're like, oh no, and we feel bad. It's just this terrible cycle. Think back with me to Little House on the Prairie Times. Yes, I know we cannot go back in time. And yes, I think modern conveniences are wonderful, but just stick with me. So the mom in that in that story, right, Ma, would get dressed in the morning, probably not do too much to get ready. They didn't really have as much as we have now, too. So it's, you know, it's it's different. But let's just say she didn't really wear makeup or do much with her hair, maybe just put it in a braid or a bun or whatever, wear a plain dress, just go about her day doing chores, baking bread, working hard on the homestead. Sure, she may have had some natural insecurities like all of us do as human beings, but they weren't fed by the monster that lives inside the fake world of social media and the overwhelming ability to use Google. There weren't unlimited chances per day to compare how quickly she lost the baby weight, how fit someone else was, what someone else ate in a day, how fancy they could style their toast (laughs) for a picture, how fancy someone else's house is, unless you'd actually gone to that house. Like think about even a couple of decades ago, You could just maybe like drive by a pretty house and think, oh, that must be nice inside. And maybe you feel just a tinge of jealousy, but you just can easily kind of move on. Now we can scroll and scroll and scroll all the while sinking into a pit of depression and frustration and insecurity, which surprise, surprise, does not 
motivate us to make healthy changes in our relationship with food and our eating habits. True change, here's the good news, true change can only come by seeing ourselves through the lens of truth found in God's word that he lovingly created us. Our bodies are his home, his temple, and that does have some implications, you know, that we take care of ourselves and not give in to jealousy and comparing and, you know, coveting what someone else has. And so I want to set us all free from feeling bad that it's hard for us to navigate social media, technology, phone use. All of this technology, remember, is designed to be addictive, right? All of the stuff that we have so much access to is designed to consume our time and our ultimately our money to buy more stuff and and keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. So here are some truth bombs for you. Are you ready about food and our attitudes around food? God made food for our nourishment and enjoyment. Here's another truth. Viewing food as good and not evil will help us change our negative relationship with it. Here's another truth. Here's another truth. Self-control is a fruit of God's spirit and can help us to make wise choices when it comes to food. And guilt and shame are poor motivators for lasting change, like I mentioned before. And there's this really unhealthy range of extremes when it comes to how women typically view food. And it goes from anywhere from on one side, you've got binging and overindulging and being just out of control with food consumption. It's, it can be addictive. And then there's the other extreme of women starving or overexercising and just trying so hard to be thin and whatever the ideal is in their minds. But both of these extremes and eating disorders and all of that can harm us so greatly because we are surrounded by so much messaging and media that typically makes us feel inadequate it means that we're going to have to be really intentional about our choices and what we put in our minds because we already have natural insecurities, right? Like even Ma on Little House on the Prairie probably had something she wasn't totally confident in. And had she had the opportunity to feed that with media, it probably could have been a real struggle for her too, just like it is with us. We just have these different things to try to figure out because of the advancements in our society and in our technology. Here's another thing we have to acknowledge. A lot of times culturally we view foods as good and bad and like like sugar is all bad and like all these things. That can actually be super detrimental because it can create these extremes and like these super specialized diets that are, are causing us to miss out on some good nutrients and a wide range of foods that are actually quite delicious. So I'm going to propose, along with many experts in this area that I was researching, that we break up with these bad attitudes towards food and ask for God's power and strength to guide us. And we adjust some habits around eating to move towards a healthier life, a life that honors God with our choices and a healthier relationship with food. Does that sound good to you? I know that sounds good to me. I don't like laboring under this what should I eat? What's good? What's bad? You know, like sometimes we all get into that like trap of comparing and over obsessing with, with food and having a really bad relationship with food. So here are some strategies for positive change when it comes to our relationship with food. Here's the first one. Making little adjustments instead of resorting to radical extremism in dieting or binging is sustainable and healthy. There's a book I love and it's by a French woman. It's called French Women Don't Get Fat. And she just basically talks about the French philosophy in general of, of eating. And it's so different than ours. It's very, very intriguing. And I've witnessed this when, when I've been in Europe. 
there's just a different attitude towards food and it's wonderful. It's quite freeing. So I'm going to, I'm going to share some French strategies around food from her book that I really, really appreciate and love and I have adopted into my life. So she's comparing French and American in general terms as far as like what she was raised to believe about food versus what she has observed as she's lived in America for many years now. Are you ready? (laughs) Okay. French women, she says, typically think about good things to eat. American women typically worry about bad things to eat. Oh, isn't that true? (laughs) It's so true. It's such a different perspective to be like, oh no, that has this in it. That has that, like worrying about the bad instead of just focusing on the good. Like this is an apple. I know an apple is good for me. I'm going to eat the apple. (laughs) Like keep it simple instead of like, oh no, what about this thing with this type of flower and this type of, you know, no, we don't have to do that. Here's another one. French women eat smaller portions of more things. American women tend to eat larger portions of fewer things. So one of her main points she makes in her book is just variety and eating seasonally can be so exciting to your palate that you're like, I'm so excited. It's time. It's the season of peaches. You know, it's like time to have strawberries in there. They're prime, you know, and sometimes we get into the the rut of eating like diet foods or things that are actually kind of fake, or eating a large portion of something that's not that great instead of like trying a lot of little portions of different things, if that makes sense. Here's another one she says, French women eat more vegetables, and that is something all of us (laughs) could learn from. There's usually a lot more room in our food consumption in a typical day for more veggies, and they're very filling, they're full of fiber, full of nutrients, and they're quite cheap, to be honest. Like, Having carrots and hummus as a snack is like a great snack and it's not expensive. Here's another thing she says, French women eat more fruit. Again, very easy to do. It's a real food and you don't have to worry about like binging on apples because apples are just very satiating. They're not going to, it's going to be difficult to overeat, you know, certain types of fruit, I feel like. Here's another thing she says, French women love bread and would never consider a life without carbs. (laughs) It's like, can we get an amen? That's so great. Such good news. Here's another thing she observes. French women don't eat fat-free, sugar-free, or anything artificially stripped of natural flavor. They go for the real thing in moderation. Love that. French women eat three meals a day. French women don't snack all the time. Also very, very good strategy for just staying at a healthy weight, you know, not snacking all throughout the day. I think that's just something I know I've done that before and it doesn't end up very good. And it's just so good to consider three satisfying, diverse meals per day, plus maybe a tea time type of snack. I mean, it's not that they never snack. I've been there, but it's just in general, they're not like eating chips and eating crackers and eating all these snacky things throughout the day. Here's, here's three more, no, four more. (laughs) French women never let themselves be hungry. So you eat a satisfying meal, balanced meal, make sure it's full of fruits and vegetables throughout the day. I love that. French women never let themselves feel stuffed. So they're tuning into their bodies. They're paying attention and not stuffing themselves so full that they're uncomfortable and like feeling, you know, just like it was too heavy of a meal. French women train their taste buds and those of their young, like their children from an early age. I love that too, to have discriminating tastes like where's the freshest food and and not just settling for processed foods and and prepackaged things all all the time. And the last one and this is so good and so true. French women honor mealtime rituals and never eat standing up or on the run or in front of the TV. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. 
So we could all learn so many things from those attitudes towards food. And I just absolutely love everything she says. Here's another strategy for us when it comes to attitudes about food. One simple way to just clean up how we eat if we're feeling like we're unhealthy or we're feeling like our clothes aren't fitting very well or whatever, employ the strategy of convenience when it comes to food. So often we can completely avoid tempting and unhealthy foods by A, putting them out of sight, like out of sight, out of mind is a real thing, or B, not even buying them to begin with. So Gretchen Rubin has that strategy of convenience she talks about, and I love it because it's so good. It's like what's convenient is typically what we will go for in life in a lot of areas. So if we can tweak that attitude of food as far as like, oh, I just don't buy french fries or whatever like I don't have this thing in my home like if you love chips but you know you're gonna overeat the chips maybe just don't buy chips that's almost to the point where I'm getting (laughs) with certain foods so employ the strategy of convenience and it helps you have a more positive upbeat attitude because you're just not tempting yourself with the stuff you know is hard for you to control does that make sense here's another strategy choosing not to fill my mind with unattainable images will help empower me to feel more confident in who God made me to be right I have to be strict about this. I don't know about you. When I get sloppy and drift into searching like style bloggers or whatever it may be, I can end up feeling like garbage. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, then I'm not celebrating, you know, who God made me to be and and just being like, I like my blue eyes or, you know, whatever you want to just like celebrate that God made you and, and traits that he gave you and, you know, the height that you are and that, I don't know, just like how he crafted who you are. It's just, it's really dangerous to like completely get, you know, engulfed in comparison and jealousy, that green eyed monster. So does that make sense? Just choosing not to fill our minds with these things will really help. And like I said, you may have to develop some strict kind of boundaries for yourself because for most of us, our phones are so addictive and they're designed to be addictive. And so they want you to keep scrolling. So you're going to have to figure out some ways. That's why you should all read (laughs) digital minimalism. It's incredible. Some strategies there to help you learn how to be in control of your life again and not let that little device dictate how you spend your time and who you're looking at and how you're feeling and all of those things. Here's another thing about just food attitudes, right? Um, And this is really interesting because as a Christian, I believe this actually really goes along with the fact that God can help us in our attitude towards food. So Psychology Today laid it out this way, and I I just love this point about self-control. The truth is, while food addicts and compulsive overeaters probably have to make big permanent changes in their eating habits, most healthy people don't have to deprive themselves completely of any of the foods they like to eat. What many people have to do, however, is change their food attitude from one of self-deprivation to one of self-control. And they talk about some examples like, I can never eat chocolate versus I can eat a little chocolate once in a while. And if that doesn't work for you, like if you just know you're going to eat the whole thing, then like I said, maybe just don't buy the tempting foods <laughs> in your house. And here's another one, an extreme to, to not get caught up in. I can never eat out at my favorite restaurant again versus I will eat smaller portions when I eat out, right? And then another one, I can't eat dessert. Like I can never eat dessert versus a small dessert is part of a balanced meal. Okay, so this article concluded, self-control is a bit like willpower. It's about establishing a set of personal convictions and rules to live by. So they talk about so that that can be a long-term solution, right? If you practice acts of self-control, they say, the sooner it's 
you're going to become a permanent part of your lifestyle. And so I love how this completely complements the truth found in the Bible about the fruit of the spirit being one of them being self-control. So whenever we feel off, another strategy we can use is to ask God to give us strength to have self-control and make healthy choices that honor him. I was reading a couple weeks ago one of the things in my kind of daily Bible reading where I'm at right now. It's from the Old Testament. It's about it's about how the people of God hundreds of years ago were just complaining about the food that God was providing and it was called manna. So they had these skewed memories of their time in Egypt and they were like, oh, we remember the meat and the leeks and the onions, which these choices always crack me up. <laughs> but they were, apparently they were really good. But they forgot that they were slaves when they lived in Egypt. They were like only thinking of the amazing food they had and they were getting annoyed that God was giving them the same thing in the form of manna, bread from heaven, right? It's like, call me crazy, but I'd much rather eat kind of a bland food every day and be free than have a variety of foods, but be (laughs) bound as a slave to a cruel master. But it just illustrated the point that God provides for us, right? And we do need to choose wisely and honor him and not complain when he does ask us to exercise some self-control and take care of our bodies by not giving in to gluttony really is what it is and overeating all day every day often i think as human beings we want what we can't have (laughs) like those people in the old testament were like oh but right now i just could really use one of those egyptian (laughs) leaks i don't know (laughs) it's so funny you know i just oh i wish i had this awesome meat that we used to have yeah well remember you were also a slave (laughs) But yeah, we just, we tend to want what we can't have. And so as, as we move through this life, we do have to acknowledge that God can help us have self-control. And that's a good thing. It's, it's a byproduct of his spirit working in us, you know, and, and helping us to take care of this body he's given us and not overdo it, but not underdo it when it comes to eating and food and our attitude about it all. Okay, here's another strategy. This is the last one. And then we'll kind of sum these up into some tips and a takeaway. We can tune into our bodies by eating without distraction. And I touched on that earlier with the French women book. We have a natural ability to tune into our bodies and know when we're full. And the opposite is true too. We tend to know when we're hungry or dehydrated or whatever it may be. We just have to pay attention Sickness is often our bodies telling us to change something or fix something. If you remember at the beginning of this year, my guest Sarah Clark talked about that. Feeling yucky and feeling off is like the body's alarm system going, hey, pay attention to me, change something. So I think adopting some French attitudes towards food and all the things we just talked about, replacing that negativity with a positive view of food, like thank you God for this food. Thank you that I can have this amazing bowl of strawberries, you know? Thank you that you gave us food to enjoy, not like it's this big weird thing that we have to obsess over. Thank you that I can fill my body with good foods that satisfy and thank you that I can enjoy it and sit here and just savor it, right? If we start doing that and adjusting our attitudes and habits around food, then we'll find that eventually we will not want to stuff down a meal in the car or cram poor quality food into our bodies and and not be grateful for it, right? We're going to want to pay attention and to make mealtimes a little more special and a little more focused on connection with people and focused on gratefulness, right? Towards all that God has blessed us with. So here are some tips and a takeaway for you when it comes to this idea of breaking up with bad attitudes towards food and adopting some fresh, new, positive attitudes about the food that we eat. 
So just remember, here's the first tip. Using food as punishment or continually using self-deprivation as a strategy for health is toxic and unsustainable. Another tip for you is that paying attention to foods or habits that are making us feel sluggish and unhealthy is a good thing. And tweaking those, you know, paying attention and using that intuitive eating strategy that we've talked about many times. And then here's some positive tips. These are kind of the, those, those first two are more like, here's what not to do. Here's what to do. Instead, remember God made food for our enjoyment and our nourishment. And another tip, let him help you have self-control. It's a byproduct of time with him being in his word. And another tip for you is to use Gretchen Rubin's strategy of convenience. If you know that certain things are just really going to trip you up and make it really difficult to make a healthy choice, just don't buy it, right? Just don't have it in your house. It makes it a lot easier. And the last tip, if I'm summing it all up, was to just choose to fill our minds with good things, not unattainable images. If you have to have some strict guidelines for your phone use and all of that, be more careful about who you follow and what you're putting in your mind and in your heart. You know, just acknowledge that and just do it. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to defend your choices. It's personal and private. You just, you take control of that device in your pocket and All of those things do shape our perception of ourselves and can convince us that we're not adequate and we're not pretty enough or thin enough. And we need to be really careful that we're not constantly putting that in front of our eyes. So along those same lines, as far as like these tips and everything we've been talking about today, I'm going to transition into telling you that one of my favorite things right now, obviously, is the new Cal Newport book called Digital Minimalism. And I want to give a huge shout out to Tish Oxenreiter, who first mentioned this book in her podcast. That's where I heard about it. I literally heard her talk about it and I just got on Amazon and ordered it because I like her book recommendations. And I knew after hearing her talk about it that I would love it. And sure enough, I do. So yeah, it's just an incredible book. It talks about so many things that I won't get into right now, but about how to view our phone use and our time what we do for leisure and and what are we what are how are we living is basically what it comes down to the minutes are going by and the days are going by and if we're swiping and tapping and scrolling and wasting so much time in these kind of fake worlds and and fake interactions we're missing out on the real face-to-face quality time with people that we love people right in front of us people if they live far away you know facetiming them instead of just clicking a heart (laughs) on a picture you know just meet more meaningful communication it's so good i can't even begin to tell you how much this has really encouraged me and helped me make changes in my life okay so two more things for you one is a great mom win that someone shared and if you have something like that to share please email me it's hannah at sunday afternoon mama.com or you can send a little facebook or instagram message so one listener shared that she had taken a saturday adventure with her family this was several weeks ago and they all went bowling together and she was like it was so fun it was so good and i'm so glad she shared that with me because i was encouraging us all throughout the month of march to Go on little weekend adventures, even if it's just as simple as a backyard picnic, but getting outside or going out and doing an activity together, paying attention to each other. It's so, so good. So thank you, Rochelle, for sharing that mom win. All right, well, I have one more segment for you today, and that's a bumblebee moment named because for a while my middle daughter could not say the word bumblebee. She just said bumblebee. It was so cute. She can say it now, which makes me sad. Anyways, it's just those funny random moments with our kids that happen at home and they happen all the time, especially when our kids are young. So if you have a bunglebee moment to share, just go to sundayafternoonmama.com and click on share a bunglebee moment, or you can message me on social media as well. Okay, so 
Oh, recently I took little Bubba to get a haircut, like a real haircut, because I've been trying so hard to get by by doing it at home myself. But I am not a hairstylist and I can I can do okay, but I you know, you know how it goes. But he's two and it's also tricky to get him to sit for a haircut because he's so scared of the experience and we've tried it with like yelling, crying, like uh, not successful. So uh, I tried again. I was like, all right, we're going to try this again. We tweaked a few things of how we did it. So I <laughs> I put on my most cheerful Blippy voice. If you know Blippy, if you are in toddler world right now as a mom, you might know Blippy, I'm sure, because he's like a YouTube kids guy. He's just like has suspenders and bright colored glasses and goes and visits farms and zoos. And he's just like super cheerful. And he's always like, Hi, da, 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 da. so I've been trying to have the blippy voice <laughs> when it comes to being a mom because a lot of times you want to be like, oh, come on, time to go instead of like, it's time to get in the car. So I've been using the blippy voice. So I used that to go to the haircut. I got gummy bears. I had like so much ready to go. And sure enough, the perseverance paid off. He had a little, like a couple minutes where he was crying in the chair and he refused to have the cape on him. That was really scary to him for some reason. So we, I sat with him on my lap, got hair everywhere, but whatever it was, it worked. And, and he got a great haircut and it was so, it's so cute. He looks so handsome. And I joked on social media after that, that like now I can picture him at age 16 <laughs> and he's super cute. But at the end of the haircut, we're getting ready to go. And I gave little Bubba the money to pay the guy that did his hair. And he goes over and hands him the cash. So, um, I wanted to give a tip of course. So <laughs> I gave him uh, money for a tip and, and little Bubba like looked at it and looked at the guy that had cut his hair and I'd given him a couple of dollars and, and he looks at the guy and he gives one dollar to him and then was kind of like, mm, that's about what I think. <laughs> the guy who had cut his hair was dying laughing. He's like, this is hilarious because he knows my husband. He also cuts my husband's hair and he was just laughing so hard. And I was like, Bubba, give him all of the money <laughs> for the tip. And so he finally gave the full tip, but it was so cute. He was like debating, like, if I have the power to give this guy money, I don't know. Does it, is it, I think it's a $1. <laughs> I was like, no, give him more. He deserves more. You were yelling, <laughs> crying. So it was awesome. But you know, those moments, it's like humbling. You're like, oh, I, I don't know. What do you do? But we got a haircut and he looks super handsome. All right, well, this is wrapping up this episode. I'm just gonna advocate again that all of you look at the show notes and make sure you, I would just say, go ahead and order Digital Minimalism. You will not regret it. And I've also linked articles and books that I reference in this episode in the show notes as usual. Well, thank you for listening this week to Sunday Afternoon Mama. Be sure to tune in next week. And if you enjoy this podcast, spread the word. Tell a friend or family member post it on your social media, spread the news. Come visit sundayafternoonmama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.